Well, part of the mission, when I first opened, I wrote a mission statement, and boy, that is like going to therapy. But part of that was to generously share knowledge with the community. My mother taught me to share recipes, right? Generously share knowledge. And then that's part of the contract. I put those values, the values of right on the contract of the people who work with me. You know, it's like I'm committing to lifelong learning. I'm committing to sharing knowledge. You know, like these are our values. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. I've been accused of being a little tone deaf, uh, especially around some of the social issues of the day. I'm a little out of step, and in fact, I needed to reach out to a trusted friend to find out just what tone deaf actually means in our current iteration of modernity. And when he defined it for me, I thought, that's right, I am a bit tone deaf. And what's more, willingly so. I think I've always been willfully a little bit tone deaf. It's what has had me questioning religion in a family that didn't question it. That willfulness has given me some resistance to being hypnotized by the zeitgeist of the moment. It's allowed me to question and see if there might be another solution or, better yet, better questions. Being a bit tone deaf has allowed me to paddle currents out of the mainstream, to find my own watercourse way. That stubbornness of mine to avoid the status quo helped me to discover that I'd rather work for myself and uh, suffer the troubles and the triumphs that that brings along than to work for someone and perhaps get ahead but be lost to my own creative spark. Fellow Missourian Mark Twain wrote, when you find yourself agreeing with the majority, it's time to take a good look at yourself. Willfully not shaking your head yes when everybody else is cheering on the issue of the day, holding a skeptical enough stance to inquire, is that so? When bombarded with slogans and memes, having some capacity to sit on friendly terms with the loneliness that arises from not joining the parade of popular opinion, all these come with holding a space to inquire and have the patience to see how things play out in the longer term. And yes, it can be said, and rightly so, that I am tone deaf to the issues of the day. And that is because I no longer trust my mind when it jumps to a quick conclusion. It feels comforting when I do. There's a sense of relief that comes with resolving the tension that comes from uncertainty and not knowing. But keeping a foot in the unknown allows for the possibility of seeing a larger, more complex, and usually uncomfortably entangled and frequently contradictory picture of how the world is impossibly woven and connected together. Simple answers rarely make for effective solutions. I lean on my tone deafness for a perspective that you can't buy off the shelf. I use it as a kind of shield to hold at a distance the opinions and emotions of others that would way too easily have me treading into the cowardice of agreement so that I could feel like I'm accepted. Courage is difficult when you want to fit in. As the social creatures we are, 
it is never easy to go against the current popular opinion. Usually it's asking for well-deserved trouble, and yet, for me, that tone deafness has been the tinder that catches the sparks of something that doesn't quite fit. It gives it some space to catch fire and perhaps generate a little light. What about you? What have you ignored so that you could follow your own watercourse path? What advice did you turn a deaf ear to? What family stories did you decide to turn your back on? Or what belief did you decide to challenge that then opened up the path that led you to where you are today? Running a business and having a practice will grow you and temper you in ways you can't imagine when you begin. All that stuff we're encouraged to do in school with writing a business plan, create a spreadsheet with financial protections, it's not a bad idea, but don't confuse it with reality. It's all helpful with assisting you in understanding the moving pieces of a business, just like a diagram of a bicycle is related, but vastly different from the motion and balance of actually riding a bicycle. Today, we have Kara Frank of Six Fishes Acupuncture. Kara has been at this since before acupuncture was even licensed in the state in which she lived at the time. Like many of us, and perhaps you as well, she followed the medicine because it opened something up in her. It would not be a stretch to say that she was one of the pioneering influences, and like most pioneers, it was a journey of seeking and creating opportunity in an uncharted land. In this conversation, we kibitz about all manner of things connected to business, medicine, and how practice looks at later stages of a career. We'll get into this in a moment. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com 
slash geological to learn how. Hi, folks. I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. All right, friends, let's get into today's podcast. I hope that you'll enjoy this geological conversation with Kara Frank. Kara Frank, welcome to Geological. Nice to be here, Michael. I haven't seen you in a while. I'm so happy to have you here. It's always fun to talk to you, but you're so damn busy. Well, so are you. Yeah. It took months for us to coordinate this. <laughs> Maybe a year. Yeah, I can remember. Maybe you can remember too. Being like in your early 20s or something. And it's like, what do you want to do? Well, let's go to the beach for like a week. Okay. And you pack up your tent and off you go. And we had time for that. Did you have time for that when you were young? Did you do that kind of thing? You know, I was prematurely fascinated by being a grown up and being responsible. And I regret not giving myself more freedom earlier on. Mm. Like I'm watching my son right now, who's just He's done the pandemic so well. Ooh. So what does that mean? Doing the pandemic so well, that's, I mean, for some people that would be fighting words, but I'm curious to know what that means. So what it means is he's an engineer and he started working remotely and living with my godmother in Amherst near Sharon. Mm -hmm. And then he decided he wanted to snowboard. So he kept working remotely in Colorado. Smart boy. Yeah. And then at the end of March, he finally got laid off, uh, which he was dying for. So then ski season ended. Meanwhile, his girlfriend had moved from Europe 
and they were living in this groovy little rooming house with, of course, a little grow house in the back because it's Colorado. Colorado, baby. Yeah. So anyway, so ski season ends and they move to this farm outside of San Diego where he's been traveling to all the national parks and climbing and going to the beach and visiting my friend in the high desert in New Mexico and, you know, just really taking a nice bite out of life. And then meanwhile, she just got accepted to get her doctorate in geology in Copenhagen. So he's going to move with her. And he's got the kind of career that he can do online. Well, he actually just started a new job yesterday. It's probably just a little Mm -hmm. bridge so that he can go there. That nine-hour time difference would make it impossible to do a job in California. So, But he'll figure it out. I mean, they need engineers in Copenhagen. So So I love the spirit of this, that figure it out. I want to do this thing. What's my options right now? Well, I could work and snowboard. See, work or snowboard. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Why not both? Mm-hmm. Why not both? And then you figure it out. And yeah, I mean, I think we're in very similar circumstances in a way. We were chatting for a few minutes before rolling some tape here. We're going to get to herbs in a minute, but okay, I promise we're going to get to herbs. But you're asking me about how things are going with Geological, and you're telling me about the platform that you have. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about education in general. And it's like, here we are creating these like little schools mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the virtual sphere. Mm-hmm. And nobody, we didn't have to ask anybody's permission. That's right. We just like looked at some opportunities that might be out there. And, you know, you just like metaphorically pick up a rock and throw it at it and see what happens. Right. But you and I are also both entrepreneurial and we have a thing that we enjoy, Mm -hmm. which is talking about Chinese medicine, in my case, especially herbs. Um, And then we have a little bit of cred. We got some street cred because we've been doing a long time. That'll get you cred. Um, Yeah. And so then we saw a gap and then... Because we're interviewing, we said, well, oh, here's this gap and here's a space. I could fill this space. Mm-hmm. That was actually what motivated me to start my whole thing, my China Herb Seminars. I think that's what motivates probably most entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. They see a gap. Mm-hmm. And some of them, I think they see a gap and they're irritated by the gap is what it comes down to. It's like, how come this isn't any different? It could be different. It could be better. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can make a car. You don't need to stop and get gas. We could make this better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, we can make a rocket ship that lands itself. We can make it better. Right. That's everybody on Shark Tank. Well, and many people, like your son, mm-hmm. how can we make this better? How can I do this in a way that I'm contributing and I can also be fed and nourished, not just by my paycheck? Mm-hmm but by that creative endeavor that is moving through you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you think entrepreneurial, I want to unpack this just a little bit. Yeah. Because when I was younger, my grandma, bless her heart, always so supportive, but I was doing some stuff that was like, you know, I was living on the West Coast and I'm like blowing glass for a living and mm-hmm. I'm not doing the thing that I'm supposed to do, which is like going to college and learning to be a damn professional. Mm-hmm. 
And so I had these little businesses like trying to make it craft fairs and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one point overhearing my grandmother say, oh, my grandson, I'm so proud of him. He's an entrepreneur. And I thought to myself, no, I'm not. I'm an artist. I am <laughs> not an entrepreneur. And then 45 years down the road, I think about it again and I go, she was right. But I think a lot of us have ideas mm-hmm. about what it means to have a business or what it means to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a four-letter word. So I'd like to get your thoughts on entrepreneurship. No. All right. Let's use a different word. No, I like, I like entrepreneur. I'm good with it. Yeah. I just want to get your take. I think we're creators. Mm. You know, we're creators. You want to see, here's something that was an amazing creation. Look at Sharon's platform, White Pine Institute. Mm-hmm. I mean, the White Pine Circle. She took her institute, her teaching, um, and then she morphed it into something larger and more inclusive and a tremendous space. You know, I admire her for that. But I wrote a blog a few years ago, and I called it Cart Before the Horse. Mm-hmm. It's my Chichenza blog. And it was about this <laughs> insane business philosophy that I've had of throwing myself into the abyss and figuring it out. So a hundred million years ago, and herbology was really different. Bill Egloff called me from Crane and he said, oh, we're getting requests for raw herb formulas. And I had just come back from China and I was like loving, loving, loving herbs. And I kept like building my raw herb pharmacy. And he said, can you fill them? And I'm like, yeah. And then somebody else in Philly said, oh, my accountant said I have to close my pharmacy. Will you fill them for me? I'm like, yeah. Okay. Then I had China Herb Company, which is now over 30 years old. So I had to figure that out. I'm still figuring that one out. Then my practice was always so busy. And so I had to bring on other people. And I, you know, I made a million mistakes from not understanding business. And then in 2013, I was watching, I was observing the whole community acupuncture movement. And, you know, I was feeling kind of moved by that and wanting to create something, but that appealed to my own middle-class demographic of like parents with kids and college tuition and childcare. And anyway, I saw a space. I rented it. I had no team. I had no budget. I had no plan. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped sleeping for a really long time. But, you know, now we have, I don't know what, over 700 patient visits a month. Right. So that was like, again, I changed it. Cart before the horse. (laughs) I chichenzed it. What do we need here? What do we need to make this business work? We need some chichenza. Exactly. Chichaching. You know what chichenza rhymes with, don't you? No, what? Chutzpah. Chutzpah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, guess what? Then I had to get my big girl panties on. So I went to Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses, which was a great experience for me. Wait a minute. What is that? Oh, my God. So. Wait, you just said Goldman Sachs? Goldman Sachs and. The Goldman Sachs everybody hates. The Goldman Sachs everybody hates actually did a nice thing, including Warren Buffett's a part of it, too. So they actually did a nice thing, which is they created for free a small business boot camp. You have to apply for it. You have to submit your tax records. You have to write a letter. You have to have a certain level of income and you have to have a certain number of employees. And if you have at least two employees, you're 
you're grossing 150k and if you're not like you're really not doing well at all Mm -hmm. so you have to have like a limit so there's all these things that get you kind of enrolled you have to be this tall to ride this ride exactly you have to be that tall they do have like this thing junior like they have like a little one for like just like real tiny startup incubators Anyway, so it's 13 weeks, it's 100 hours, it's 100 hours of homework, you work your ass off, you have to completely commit. Like if you miss a class, they like boot you. Maybe you can miss one, you cannot miss two. Wow. It's like, bye-bye. Oh yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, commit. They feed you breakfast, they feed you lunch, they just want, and you know, they may, and they, there's like, you have your team, and then there's the big team, it was amazing. I mean, they were like architects and engineers and chiropractors and physical therapists, Somebody who has a fancy chalk business, a child's art space, a really cool bakery, popsicles, like those flip sides, like in the train stations, um, like amazing people. In fact, one of my teammates was, um, was on Shark Tank, but he didn't get sharked, but he's amazing. So then they also introduce you, they create huge connections within the small business world that's available in Philly, which we have a ton of resources, um, legal advice, just all these different things, like understanding your numbers. And so that was ended in December of 2019. (laughs) And then the pandemic hit. Well, here's what I learned more than anything was I learned about the culture I wanted to create Mm -hmm. in my business. And that's what I focused in is like, what is my leadership going to look like? And that became really important during the pandemic. How did you get interested in that particular aspect? What was it about going through this experience that brought that to the fore for you? Because I would imagine there'd be many things that you could focus on around your business after going through an experience like that. What is it about leadership and the kind of company that you wanted to have? That really got your heart. So I wanted to create a space where practitioners, you know, when you bring practitioners on, they're generally younger practitioners. Um, but I wanted to create a space where they felt supported and they felt they could grow and that they could have their own voice. So like I literally in my, I don't know what it was, my senior project, my graduation project, we had to have this little presentation. And my whole presentation was entirely centered on yin and yang, right? That our growth has to come from nurturing our root. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, what did somebody say? One of my classmates said afterwards, she said, Kara, I want to be your spirit animal after this. Or <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, because nobody was coming at it from my perspective, but when I thought like, okay, what is it? What makes a healthy business? It's not just pushing people, it's feeding them. Mm. Wow. You know, I even just, I yelled at all my secretaries because they were overbooking and overbooking. And I said like, people, you have to be the guardians of my people's chi. Like they're not machines, they're humans. Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. 
You'll be familiar with Dumai, the Governor Channel or the Sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. What do you do with the overflow? I'm, I'm asking for a friend. If I had a friend, if I had an energy, I would open a third location, but I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't. Because that was actually, now I'm 40 years into it, right? So I'm, I'm trying to figure out my exit plan. Exactly. And it's just like a weird thing. I, now I happen to have these business skills and um, so I know how to do it. But I not only know how to open a business, I know all the resources, I know the places to find grants and like I can make calls now. I'm connected and you actually get connected to a global Goldman Sachs community. It's crazy. Like, you know, they do want to help you. Oh, I got to tell you a hilarious story though. So they also do these things where they try to like get into the Senate and like advocate for small businesses and they have hearings and stuff like that. And at the, in the fall of, I guess, 2020, they said, oh, we want people to show up virtually and we're going to have this whole meeting and we're going to send you a t-shirt. And on like January 4th, I open up this t-shirt and it says, storm the hill. And then this <laughs> urgent message comes from the day, don't wear that shirt, do not wear that shirt, do not wear that shirt. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh that is hilarious. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm supposed to talk about that, but it's water under the bridge. That is hilarious. Oh, God. I, it, and I love it because, all right, yeah, January 6th, whatever, there's that. Okay, we'll just mm -hmm. hold that to the side for a moment. Here's Goldman Sachs. They're looking to talk to legislators. Mm -hmm. They want to see the world be a better place. It's easy to hate the big companies, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, wow, look at what they did for you. Look what they're doing for smaller businesses. Yeah, it's an incubator. Look at how they're creating the grassroots. You know, I'm a slow learner. I really am. I think it's why I'm so interested in education and learning because mm -hmm. I'm not a very sharp tool, but I'm persistent. I will keep at it. Okay. Well, you had me fooled, but yeah. I, I, uh -huh. I will keep at it. Okay. I'm really persistent. I so appreciate what you said earlier about, because I do this too. It's like, oh, the abyss. Okay. I'll jump in there. It's like, what am I doing? I don't know. I'll figure it out. Right. You kind of bang your head against it, lose sleep for a few months, mm -hmm. figure it out. I'm okay at doing that. I'm okay with not knowing how it works. I trust that I'll get it worked out. You know, it's kind of like going through the heavy spin cycle on the washer when you're a delicate. There might be a better way. So I like hearing about programs like what Goldman Sachs is doing. But anyway, this is just a long about way of saying how slow I am. I've been self-employed most of my life. Me too. And often I'd hear politicians say things like, 
you know, well, small business is the grassroots of America. And I'd always think, oh, yeah, yeah, you politicians, fuck you. Oh, wait a minute. Mm -mm. I am a small business. Mm -hmm. You're a small business. I am a small business. And actually, many of the other businesses that I do business with, especially in my local area, they too are small businesses. That's right. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This idea I had in my mind about entrepreneurship, this idea I had about business and, oh, those bad people over there, it's like, mm, actually, I've seen a lot of small business be a very powerfully good force for change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even American Express has small business Saturday. I mean, I'm not sure that that really gets people out there, but at least they're saying it. Exactly. And I think for all of us, that have a business, to realize it, and I don't say this lightly, but we've got a kind of sacred trust. Because depending on how we do our business, we could make our community worse, or we could make it better. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, part of the mission, when I first opened, I wrote a mission statement, and boy, that is like going to therapy. Um, but part of that was to generously share knowledge with the community. Mm -hmm. My mother taught me to share recipes, right? Generously share knowledge. And then that's part of the contract. I put those values, the values of right on the contract of the people who work with me. You know, it's like I'm committing to lifelong learning. I'm committing to sharing knowledge. You know, like these are our values. That goes on the contract. That's it. Right. The first lines is on that. The I want to come work for you. Okay. You're hired. <laughs> so I love that. I just, holy smokes. You got to vibrate high, right? Yeah, baby. Anyway. No, I mean, this is big. So that was probably what I got out of it. And also just a better understanding of numbers. And, but then I don't know. The pandemic made everything really expensive. Yeah, that has happened. That's for sure. Are they still doing this? I mean, can people still go to this Goldman Sachs? Yeah, it's actually a partnership with Babson College. So we were the first completely in-person cohort. And then the next cohort, then I guess they started in person and then the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, and I know they have the hybrid ones. And even for people who don't live in major cities where there are community colleges, there's been a hybrid one. I'm sure it's helpful. I can't imagine it's as wonderful as like, they really were good at building teams and all those dumb exercises. Yeah. You know what? It actually really worked. And I hate all that stuff. I just hate it. Um, but it helped. Well, somehow it worked and we were like, so there was a really great vibe in the class. And um, I don't know if that can be created on Zoom. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure it's like good, but, you know, I don't know how much cheese behind it. Well, and there's something about gathering with people in the same room, breathing the same air, having our nervous systems all in the same place, mm -hmm. having our hearts all in the same place. Yeah. Being focused in real time and members of your community. So now you've got a built-in support network. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You had a guy on a few months ago who was talking about money. Um, oh, William Green. Yeah. So I listened to that because it is really important to know that money is just chi. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, okay, here's a tip for anybody listening. My biggest practice building nugget has always been I attract the patients I can help the most. I'm a magnet for money doing the work I love. I'm a magnet for money doing the work I love. What? You mean I can get money and still do the work I love? And do good in the world and be a good person and be a mensch and then have more money to like give more to the community and, you know, and take care of your people and be comfortable. And that's fine. Money's just chi. And the more you got, the more you can do. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They had this thing, though, like where you're an exercise where you have to think aspirationally about money and they say, okay, here, you know, you've got like $5,000, you got to spend it in a day. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy a new herb cooker. And so I was like, okay, now you have $50,000, you're going to spend it in like a day. Okay. Here's $5 million. I'm like, I can't get there. I can't, my, my head couldn't get that big at all. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you start scaling that stuff up. Mm-hmm. I did a thing with Seth Godin a few years back, the marketing seminar. Mm. Super good. Okay. I don't know that one, but... Are you familiar with Seth, Uncle Seth? Do you know Uncle Seth? Mm -hmm. You don't know Seth Godin? <gasps> Uh-oh. Okay, now you're really going to be in trouble because Seth, Uncle Seth has some great stuff. I'm going to send you a book, okay? I'm sending you oh, a book. Oh, thank you. All right? You just, you Happy just Hanukkah. Keep... Happy Hanukkah, baby. I, I got a book for you. It's, it's coming your way. And Uncle Seth is brilliant with marketing. And he's a mensch. Mm -hmm. And one of the exercises was, okay, you have to charge 10x of whatever you're charging for your services. Mm. How are you going to do that? Mm. Like inside. How are you going to do that? Does that change what you do with your services? Mm. Does that change how you are? You have to charge 10X. How do you do that? What a great open-ended question. Oh, that's very juicy. Right? Kind of the same thing you've got. $5,000. Can you spend it? Oh, I can spend $5,000. How about $50,000 in a day? Uh, there might be a little bit of waste. $5 million? Oh, I, you, just, you just broke my brain. Right. My brain broke. I don't even know how to think that big. Right. No, me neither. Me neither. But if we could think that big, then we could maybe be that big. We could be like your son. We could snowboard and work for a living. Right. Well, so part of my exit plan, and I don't know how the hell I'm going to do this. Um, I mean, I know how I can create this, but I don't know how to pull out of all this that I've done is I started trying to herb seminars because what I saw happen in the pandemic broke my heart that, you know, we, Six Fishes was like intact as herb skills. We had like a deliverable thing to give to people and help people like people with anxiety. They were not sleeping and they were depressed and they were frightened and they were concerned about their immunity. And that happened immediately. And then it quickly evolved into their usual, my fertility, my IBS, whatever issues. And then I saw all these practitioners trained in Chinese herbology and they weren't using it. They didn't have the confidence. So, oh my God, I can help them. I know. It breaks your heart, doesn't it? Yeah. Here's what I hate hearing. I hate hearing this. Seriously, it breaks my heart. Oh, Chinese medicine doesn't treat that. Smack them upside the head. It's like, 
maybe you don't know how to treat that. And that's okay, because there's a lot of stuff we don't know how to treat. That's called learning your craft as time goes on. Mm -hmm. So you were seeing that, hey, people could use our medicine better. Yeah. So I started with telehealth literacy and like visual and inquiry-based diagnosis. Then I took the summer off and I did upper respiratory diseases, digestive diseases, and then I just did gynecology. You know, I mean, I am, of course, my own worst critic. You know, I picked topics instead of like abnormal uterine bleeding. I picked like endometriosis, PCOS, menopause, PMS, because I surveyed my class and said, like, what do you want to know about? I only had nine hours. So I feel I'm not 100% sure I was completely successful in my mission of like really giving them a methodology to think clearly. Because what I found is, so what I see is that they, younger and even more experienced herbalists, they get anxious and then that hijacks their prefrontal cortex and then they cannot think and they can't think and, and connect with what they know and what they're trained in. Every acupuncturist is a smart person. They graduated acupuncture school. They took a national exam for the love of God. Nobody's a dummy. But that's why we're sort of like saying like herbal education. I mean, I directed two, I founded and directed two herb departments. Um, then you graduate with all this training and you're a dead beginner. That is a problem. Well, and it's also true. There's a lot that, that we learn in school and there's a lot that can be learned, mm -hmm. but there is some stuff that you can't learn it in school. You have to get it out of your experience. That's right. What I was really hoping to give them was the balls to try. Just get out of your <laughs> comfort zone. Try. Put the damn cart before the horse. Put the damn cart before the horse. I mean, I like even coach them. I said, here's what you do. Even if you're a beginner, you go, well, in my experience, dot, dot, dot. You know, I can do that after 40 years. It's really easy to say in my experience. Like a lot of things are in my wheelhouse. But I want them to come from that space. And then I sort of also coach them in how to communicate when you're not sure. Because I do this sometimes when I'm not sure. And I, I'm going to go with what I think is right. You know how this is. Mm. I think I'm right about this. But this is bothering me. So I just say, you know what? This is where we're going to go. This is what I'm seeing. This is why I'm seeing it. But I want to tell you I'm holding some cards because I have some other cards. And then they know the patient feels super held. Right? You've got a plan and you've got to play a B. That's right. And you've got a way of knowing when it's time to go to plan B. That's exactly right. So you are a trustworthy. So you're not knowing in that moment. You're a good, educated guess, but still a sense of not knowing. The patient is okay with it. Because of the way I said it. Because of the way you said it. Number one, you're admitting it. Mm -hmm. Number two, you're telling them what you're seeing. And number three, if it goes sideways, it'll probably go sideways like this, and then we're going to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. That's right. So like, I want to see this, 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 and this. And I know that that's harder for a younger practitioner to sort of prognosticate, like to say, I'm expecting this. This is what I want to happen. Mm -hmm. So, and if I don't see that change, then we'll have to reassess. But, you know, I also talked to them about getting good results by dosing correctly. We talked a lot about the difference between like a heroic dose and kind of a regular dose. Like, you know, with an upper respiratory disease, when you have bronchitis, you have to give them humongous freaking doses. You know, like 
you have to master that phlegm. Like you have to be on top of it. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so talk. <laughs> All right. I'm queen of the. <laughs> Kara, tell us a little bit about mastering phlegm. I mean, seriously. Oh. I mean, phlegm's an issue. Phlegm is an issue. It's such an issue. And usually the only time I hear a heroic dose these days is when people are talking about mushrooms. Ooh. So that's a different issue. That's another show. Hang on, kids. Okay. We'll get to that eventually. A heroic dose of Chinese herbs. What does that look like? And how do you know when to do it? When you have an acute situation where somebody might is trying to avoid antibiotics, like in this case, we're talking about the lungs, right? Mm -hmm. Or if somebody had that big C thing, can I say that word? SARS-CoV-2. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're allowed to say anything we want on the, on the podcast. Okay, great. So anyway, somebody has COVID and they have respiratory distress. Mm -hmm. So back in the day before the pandemic, if somebody had bronchitis, they're always say, oh, come on in. I'm going to treat you. Now if somebody sneezes and was like, go away. Yeah, get the hell out of here. Go away. <laughs> like, you are not allowed. <laughs> so, but you can totally help them with telehealth with this. So this is fine. You can tell them, you can help them on the phone just by listening to the sound of the cough. I shared with the students a couple of YouTube videos of sounds of coughs. So, but if somebody has yellow, yellow, green, ugly looking phlegm, then you can give them herbs. Like say we have a raw herb decoction, which in this case actually is really called for. But even whatever it is, instead of taking like a half a cup twice a day, because you're going to da, 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 and you want to get a woman to ovulate and you have to give like every four hours. And sometimes you even want to like double that dose and like, cause you want to change in 24 hours. I want to see that going from green to yellow. I want to see it going from yellow to white, or I want to see what's difficult to expectorate thin out and become easy to expectorate. So they clear their lungs out. Like, that's what I mean by heroic dosage, you know, and the same thing I was just talking about menopause. And then I said, okay, well, menopause is one thing, but then when you have a surgical or chemical like chemo or nephrectomy, some babies are loud. They are hard. Speaking of having a master, like he was like, I have to have, I'm going to have my way with you. Mm -hmm. So I was just talking to a patient about that. And I, so I just said, look, here's the dose I'm going to tell you to take. And if you find it somewhat effective, but not completely effective, the first thing before we change is someone ask you to double the dose. Nighttime is bad. You could double it just at night. You can add another dose in the middle of the night. And then let's talk in a couple of weeks and see where we're at. So. That's what I mean by sometimes you just have to dial it and you have to know when to do that. And you just, I'm very bossy. That's really why I get compliance. <laughs> well, I mean, there's bossiness. Here's what I've noticed about bossiness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll get compliance. Sometimes you'll get fuck you. Yep. And my experience with people that are bossy, if they can show me that they're trustworthy and they know their stuff, and I should be listening to them, it's easier to take. No, they're coming to me because I, they think I should know my stuff, and I should know my stuff. Well, we should know our stuff. Mm -hmm. It helps with being bossy, but I think it also just builds that sense of confidence that even if I'm wrong, I can make it right. Mm -hmm. Yep, I got my plan B. I got my plan B. And if plan B doesn't work, there's, a, there's maybe a plan C hanging out there too. I don't think it's C. There can be. But... It's nice to have it in your back pocket. Yeah. I don't like when I have to get to plan C. No, none of us do. 
if I feel like I've been that off, then I feel like I question myself and my observational skills mm. or my inquiry skills. Like, what didn't I pull out of this that I don't know this? Or how could I have been so off? I mean, of course I make mistakes, you know, I'm a practitioner. So, <laughs> you know, and people are human and weird. Yes. And we're human. How do you work with that part? Because being the practitioner part is not hard to work with. Mm-hmm. In some ways, oh, we can study more. We can take a class. We can, you know, double down on learning stuff. Mm. But what you're just saying about I'm a human. Mm-hmm. I make mistakes. I'm a human. I think that one's harder. Well, I would say that if I have like a mistake with a patient and I haven't done it well, and that's either using the wrong formula or communicating in a way that maybe wasn't fully sensitive or something, I try to make that an opportunity to learn more. Like, I mean, I reflect on it because I want to do better. I like to keep making new mistakes and not repeat old mistakes. (laughs) But I think you're asking also about like, how do you nourish the human? Yeah. The human, like the human inside of us who is, Mm. we're here to help people. We're doing our best. And sometimes we really tear ourselves up in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But definitely I've been many times that I feel with self-reclamation about just not doing it right. I'm glad that isn't the majority of my clinical experiences. How do you get yourself through that? Well, I just said it, you know, um, I study. Mm. So it motivates you to learn more. Yeah, and reflect. And that might not even be Chinese medicine. Maybe it's something else I'm thinking about. Or I just make a commitment to hear something better or listen more closely. Or maybe I caught myself with my own internal agenda or, you know, my own wounds. And I was like, I I didn't get myself out of the way. And then I wasn't really healing presence. I wasn't fully present because I had some internal something going on. So I've got to like make sure I have to be more mindful. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five-element and six-chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI. 2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, we get a lot of practice with that in our practice. Yeah, humility. Well, 
I have found is not always the tastiest lesson. Oh, no, it feels shitty. And, yeah. And I mean, I say this to myself all the time, like, oh, my God, I did not realize I had so many rough edges to wear off that were mm. getting in the way mm -hmm. of, of just being present with a patient and sometimes just being present with myself, you know, enough to be able to watch something in a clinic go by. You were just talking about our own stuff getting in the way. Every now and then I'll have something come up and, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's my thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like right here in front of me in this clinical moment. And how I navigate that is going to have a big impact on if I'm available to my patient or not. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. The toughest thing for me as a practitioner currently is I'm trying not to accept new acupuncture patients. Because I am trying to be in a process of dialing it back. And so I'm taking you to telehealth. But there keep being people that I think within my practice that I am the one to treat them. It's too chronic. There's too many layers. And very often, I can easily refer people to my team. They're beautiful. They're heartfelt. They're very passionate. But their herb knowledge is greener. Mm -hmm. So except for one practitioner. And so because of that, I struggle with this sometimes. And then I think, you know, people are referred specifically to me. And sometimes that's a drag. If like you have a backache, you don't need me. You really don't need me. I'm not your person. But, you know, this person with fatigue and hair loss, you know, this is like this strange, weird constellation that's not diagnosable in Western medicine. Maybe that really probably is me. Yeah, well, you mentioned this earlier on in our conversation, knowing what the right patients are for you. Mm -hmm. I think that is something that as we grow and develop throughout our practice and career, mm -hmm. there are different kinds of people that are the right people for us. Yeah. And there does come these phase change moments in a practice where it's like, you know what? What I've been doing is not what I need to be doing. I know how to do what I've been doing, but... And it's gotten me to here, but it's not going to get me to the next place where I need to go. And mm -hmm. I hear you talking about something that floats through my mind on a not irregular basis. I think about retirement, just because I'm at an age where they're sending me stuff in the mail that says, you're a retired guy, right? <laughs> I think I'm, I might be older than you, Matt. Well, we're, pro we're probably similar ages at any rate. One of the things that I've been looking at for myself, and I'm hearing it from you, and I've been hearing it from other people, there's enough of us that have been practicing long enough mm -hmm. that our concern is not how do you get a practice going. And the concern is not how do I keep myself motivated mid-practice. It's how do I ease myself, not all the way out, but ease myself out into what is appropriate for me at this time. Mm -hmm. And then like you're saying, you bring some other people along to help them with their practice because they've got more work now mm -hmm. and they're going to also need some new skills. Yeah, right. So I, I actually hope that one of the people on my team would love to take a greater leadership role around the business. That's awesome. Well, I would love that. I don't know if that's going to happen. 
first of all, I guess it would be helpful if I talked to them about it first. <laughs> I'm telling you first. <laughs> I know the whole world. Right. So, but on the other hand, we have an eminently amazing kind of retirement aging practice. My stepmother was a psychotherapist. She was a practice bioenergetics, you know, the offshoot of Reiki and therapy. Mm. And even into her 80s, she still practiced because for the joy of it. Yes. And it was like a little practice. And it's like, we could do that. We could have our hobby practice and supplement our social security, supplement our retirement just a little bit. But it's not a hobby practice. I don't think it's a hobby practice. And here's why I say that. No, it's not. You're right. You're right. Bad choice. Because I've thought that. I've had that in my mind. Oh, it's a hobby practice. But no, it's not. It's a kind of matured practice. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the word is. I have also had the word hobby practice go through my mind. And all I know is that's not right. Is it boutique? Oh, I hate that word. I hate that word. All right. Let's kill that word. Oh, kill a that word. Boutique. And it's not a concierge practice. Mm. Concierge practice. Like, no, I'm not calling you a car scheduling you opera tickets. I'm not a concierge doctor. I don't know what the word is. Maybe we can find one together here. Okay. We're going to keep thinking about the word. Let's think about the word. Is a kind of practice that describes it. Let's talk about, you know, kind of like what it looks like. Right? Let's see if we can get our handle around it. It's someone who's been practicing a long time. Mm -hmm. The stuff you know is what you know. Mm -hmm. You know who you're able to help and who you're not. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to get worn down by the work anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's an aspect of refinement here. I hate the word elite too, but I like the idea of refinement. I think I just figured it out or part of it. I think I take myself fully off my website. Mm, that's bold. I know. I like it. Maybe I have to start disappearing a little bit. Yeah, because you know what? You could take yourself off your website. There's enough word of mouth about you. Your phone is still not going to shut up. Well, one really great moment that happened, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago was just people started being referred to Six Fishes, not to me. Beautiful. And that was really great. Just, I was referred to Six Fishes. So that makes me really happy. Yeah. Take yourself off the website. I love it. 2022 goals. Oh my God. I can't believe I said that. I, I just said that as soon as I thought it. Yes. I've never had that thought before. Yeah. Well, you just said it. Now everybody's... <laughs> <laughs> 8,000 of our closest friends have just heard it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did we talk about phlegm enough, though? No, no. We're going we're gonna to circle back to it. Oh, my God. We were here almost an hour. I thought we were going to talk nothing about allergies and stuff. But uh, here we're talking about the kind of practice that we can build and inhabit. I love the practice of medicine. I really, really do. Our medicine, I have seen it help so many people over the course of years. Chinese medicine is the freaking awesomest profession ever, ever. I mean, after 40 years, and I mean, you're practicing for a long time too. My capacity to be curious is bottomless. And if I could give my students one gift, it is to not be jaded, but just be curious. Well, you could always just take the cart and put it before the horse and that's going to create some crazy shit. That'll keep you interested. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm with you on the curiosity part. That 
it's the secret sauce that runs most of what I do. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not yeah. a secret. It's definitely main ingredient. The other piece is a willingness to do what you've talked about earlier, that being willing to jump into the abyss, being willing to say, I don't know how to do this. And I trust that I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And the process probably isn't going to kill me. So like with my program, <clears throat> I did not want to actually give them answers. I wanted it to be more Socratic or maybe even more Talmudic. I wanted to guide them to... Talmudic. <laughs> guide them <laughs> to thinking. Like you just have to like answer a question with a question like, well, how should we do this? Like, how can we break this down and unpack something? How do we know what we're seeing? Okay, you're touching on something here that is very near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. Because we all love answers. I love answers. Mm -hmm. I like answers because I feel like I'm smart. I love answers because it's like, oh, look at me. I have the answer. Oh, me, I got an answer, right? Gold star. Good I'm boy. always this kid in the front row, right. <laughs> raising my hand and waving it. And there's a place for answers. I'm not discounting this. There's a place for answers. But the problem with answers much of the time is that it stops inquiry. And without inquiry, now you got rust in the machinery. That is correct. And you're talking about trying to make your students curious and using the Socratic or Talmudic method of let's explain or this. And I think that's so important because so often you'll see this on Facebook, you'll hear this in conversations like, just tell me what the formula is for this. What do I need mm -hmm. to fix XYZ? Well, here's what you need to fix XYZ. Mm -hmm. You're thinking. First of all, how do you know it's XYZ? And if indeed it is XYZ, <laughs> how did XYZ manage to manifest and what's holding xyz in place and how do you know that right you know what i did so yeah i mean even i have like these sort of learning out loud things like i did this little lecture i took it down but i'll share it with you on suotong because i was trying to do like a little meme for china herb to just show like all the formulas it was in and then i had to we sell Treasure of the East Granules and they were a Pacific Symposium and they had an hour and did I need to do so? Could I help them? And like, okay. And then I was so busy. And then she said, what are you going to do? And I was like, okay, well, maybe I can pull together a lecture out of Suwutong and I can pull together an hour. Well, there's no such thing as an hour for me. You know, I like, I look down and then four hours is gone. <laughs> <laughs> but I started tracing Suwutong back and I learned a whole bunch of stuff about the damn formula, like when it started and where its roots were. And so then I created a chronological timeline and I think I got most of it right. I guarantee you there's a couple of mistakes in it. There always are. Well, and whether it's right, like academically right, you know, blah, 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 that process of exploration mm -hmm. is never wrong. Correct. That is right. What did my father used to say? I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> We're like, Dad. <laughs> what did your dad do for a living? Oh, my father was an interesting guy. When I was a child, he was a locksmith. But my dad had one arm. He lost his arm in the Depression. He fell out of a tree and he got gangrene and he lost his arm his left arm. 
And then he spent a lot of years being itinerant, like literally hitchhiking across the country, being homeless, like being on Las Vegas when it was a tiny little strip and there was only one hotel and gangsters and getting really high, like really high. Anyway, then he uh, made it back to New York City. I discovered Reiki and therapy. Reiki and therapy. Reiki, you don't know what that is. Or <laughs> Wilhelm Reich? Yeah, Reich, the energy dude. Yep, the energy dude. Yeah. So then that was the religion in my house, honestly. And I actually, I'm named after my father's Reiki and therapist who was with my mother when I was born. Um, <laughs> because he's a psychiatrist. So he was trying to prevent me from getting silver nitrate drops and getting spanked. Because that's what they did to baby's eyes in 1960. They like instantly put, you know, because you might have gonorrhea. So those were the days, <laughs> those were the days. So, but then what he really got into was radionics and dowsing. And so my father was quite the character. You come from a family of characters. Yeah. Yeah. My mother owned a health food store and then she opened a health food restaurant. Like mother, like daughter. Let's see. You open a clinic, open a couple of clinics. I, I never had to veer from my family values. Like, I am who I am. I've always been this. <laughs> I grew up in a, in a family of small business people as well, mm -hmm. which, it, you know, is to my benefit. It's like running a business. Well, everybody runs a business. I mean, you kind of get it in your bones when... Oh, can I tell you that my mother was the world's worst businesswoman and my father wasn't much better. Yeah, but they got by, right? Did they manage to make it work? They managed to make it work somehow, one work. way or another. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I suspect you've gone through periods of like, it's working. I'm not sure how it's working. And then you go to Goldman Sachs, how to run a business school. And it's like you were primed for a catalyst like that to come along. Something like that. So you could really take advantage of it. Yeah, I was ready. You can have a newer business, but you have most everybody there was like in a mature business because you have to do all this preamble stuff. Yes, you have to do preamble. How many of those people in their air quotes mature business were also kind of hanging on by their toenails and uh, benefited greatly from what they learned and their life is probably a lot easier because of it? Well, I don't know because... Um, it got harder to get together. Like we would meet for drinks and stuff because of the pandemic. And I know some people's business were really gutted. But in Pennsylvania, we're an essential service. So we really never had to close. And people really need us. So that was very, very helpful. I did close for a month. In the beginning, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I had to like, oh my God, I created so many safety. It became a machine of rules. Like I had to. I think we all did. Yeah. I had checklists that when the pandemic first hit, I had a checklist. Oh, I shared mine as a public document. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Same here. It's like, look at me. We're super clean. Look, here it is. Yep. This is everything we do. Checks and initials. Yep. Yep. And we still are using paper everything. No sheets. I hate it. Ugh. Yeah. We're destroying the planet with our... Uh... I know. I hate it, but I don't know how to get out of it right now. Because every time I think, oh, we could add one more table in the community area, then it's Delta. Then I start thinking about it again, and then it's Omicron. And so this is just the reality. This is our life now. Mm -hmm. Well, until it just goes endemic, 
and we're like, oh yeah, now it's kind of like the seasonal thing, which mm-hmm. you know, in time probably. I mean, the Spanish flu is still around. It is. Yeah, Spanish flu is still around. I mean, it kills people on occasion, but that's the strain. That viral strain is just part of the endemic flu season. Mm. And on occasion, people will get that strain and it will make them sick and they'll have the flu. And then, of course, there are a certain amount of people that die of pneumonia from the flu, usually elderly people. There's a certain number of people who actually die every year of the flu. Yeah. I mean, that's so, you know, at some point, maybe it goes back to that. I don't know. I'm not a virologist. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we were going to talk about phlegm. Let's talk about phlegm. Well, no, we can't really because we're like an hour into this and these things usually go for an hour. So you're going to have to come back on another day. All right. I'll come back on another day. That sounds like fun. I mean, I don't even know how you're going to create a synopsis of what did we talk about today? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to do it either. Other than let's have a shot at that synopsis and let's have a shot at what we're going to call that practice that we are actually headed toward. We know we are. We don't know when we're getting there. Maybe we can come up with that name. And if not, we can noodle on it and then we can come back and tell people about it. But Mm -hmm. so for you, this conversation, what's been the synopsis? We ended up talking about, well, it's hard because we talked about practicing. Yes, we did. We talked about teaching. We talked about business. We talked about curiosity. I don't know. I got to throw this one at you. It's your podcast. I need your help. Actually, it's our podcast. I get to be on the podcast, but you know, the podcast is not me. It definitely is a we. So here's what we talked about. We talked about what it means to be a Chinese medicine practitioner when you're not thinking about just the medicine piece of it. There's a whole lot that goes into being a practitioner in addition to that medical knowledge, for lack of a better word. And it's really important because some of it's our background, some of it's who we are, some of it's how we are, some of it is the gifts that we have. Some people can throw themselves off the edge of the abyss. Other people will linger there forever. I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's just different pathways through it. And we've talked a bit about how you evolve as a practitioner up to and through when you're no longer going to a clinic five days or six days a week, whatever you do. You still want to have your hand in the medicine, but in the way that a person who's maybe 80 years old would do it as opposed to someone who's 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Our life is really different in that intervening 40 years. And for me, growing up as I have, that idea of retirement was, oh, you just step back and you're done with the world. I'm thinking about retiring aspects of my life that don't fit anymore. They fit at one point and they got me to where I am today. I'm deeply, deeply grateful. And Like, what parts can be laying aside? We're having this conversation in December. On the Chinese calendar, it's already winter. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the regular Western calendar, it's still fall. So depending on how you want to do your seasons. But still, you and I are 
talking metal energy and metal season. There's no question we're talking about metal energy and metal season and letting go. And if we figure out what we're letting go, and you and I can think about that through this reflective water season mm-hmm. also, then we can allow room for new growth and different kinds of expansion as we move to springtime. Great. Right. So So let's do that. Let it simmer. Let's let it sit in the dark, in the water, and see what we come up with. Because, Kara, we are not alone. There are plenty of other practitioners in a similar boat. What do I become over this next five or ten years? Mm -hmm. And all y'all's out there that are just beginning your practice, it'll be your turn eventually. Yeah, it'll be their turn eventually. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. We could talk for hours. I could talk to you for hours. Okay, we'll do it again. We're going to come back. I still want to talk more about phlegm, and I want to talk about allergies. Super popular thing here in St. Louis, Missouri. Everybody has their own, like, allergies. I mean, not allergy to pets. Well, some are allergy to pet, but allergy is just a popular thing, and I got questions about it. I would love to, like, have just a different conversation where we're just talking about practical, how do we fix stuff. I really love I love that. We will. We're going to come back and do that. I like the meat and potatoes and brown rice and tofu of... Chinese medicine. I don't like tofu, but I like the meat and potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) For the love of God, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) The bagels and locks? (laughs) Do you know there's a shortage of cream cheese? There's a cream cheese shortage. No. The supply chain is impacted cream cheese. It's so bad. How will we survive? Well, I I don't know, but maybe our listeners will uh, have some suggestions for us. (laughs) If you have an idea of how Kara can survive, lack of cream cheese, write the answer on the back of a $20 bill, send it here to Geological. It's going to be ugly. I just don't know if I can cope. Well, that is something worth panicking about. That's for sure. All right, my friend. Well... It's so good talking with you. What a, how nice to spend time with you. It's fun. Okay. Anything else you want to say to the listeners before we uh, sign off? I mean, God, now I got me thinking about no cream cheese. I'm starting to get anxious. What do you do for anxiety? No, but I think I just want to say, if you've made it to the end of this silly podcast, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. We hope we've added value to your life. When I first began practicing acupuncture, I knew there had to be something better than a Yellow Pages ad and talking to groups of people that were, air quotes here, interested in Chinese medicine. That never, ever got me a single patient. Lucky for me, the internet was just making its appearance for those outside of the educational and military domains. I have over the years come to appreciate that having a practice means not only that I have a business but also that I have the opportunity to reach people in ways that would have been unimaginable 25 years ago. And beyond that, developed an appreciation for how running a business has given me the opportunity to work through a lot of biases and misconceptions that I had about business and what it means to be a businessman. 
I was wrong about a lot of what I imagined went into running a business, and I was mistaken about the enormous amount of creativity and perseverance that it takes to be responsible for your own livelihood. It has been one of the unexpected learnings that has come my way along the path of practice. I'm curious to know what has been a big surprise for you, something unexpected and that you're grateful for receiving that has come from your practice of medicine. Pop on over to our Instagram feed and tell us about it. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.